Yeah, you did good. <laughs> I was retweeting something. Is it about filmcraft? Yeah, it was about this episode. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I guess that's kind of a unique sensation, like retweeting about an episode that yeah. hasn't happened yet that no. we go into recording. <laughs> no, we're recording this episode, and I retweeted a tweet about the episode before we recorded. <laughs> so what we're trying to say is we've mastered time travel. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. We have a guest here today with us. He invented time travel. <laughs> <laughs> we have father trying time travel with us today. <laughs> yeah, I'm super stoked about this next guest. We've known him for quite a while now. How how long now? Two years. Two years. That's yeah. Two years. Yeah. 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 Two years. And yeah, he came over about an hour ago and just started blowing our mind with all kinds of crazy film and. VR stuff. I don't think I could do a good introduction to do you justice, so I'll just let you introduce yourself. <laughs> okay. So I'm Adam, Adam Madujemu, and I'm a filmmaker and VR storyteller. And why I use storyteller instead of filmmaking is something I'll probably go into very soon. Yeah. Let's do it now. Okay, why do you good. Storyteller? So storyteller. <laughs> it's because I feel to use uh, to use filmmaker would be to limit what you can actually do in VR. Because it doesn't really, many of the rules you use with filmmaking or regular filmmaking don't necessarily apply to the VR space. So you're telling stories, you could be like you filming like um, in the theater or something like that, but rather like different rules, different like ways to tell the same story. Like if you were to tell the same film in like, sorry, the same story in a film, you would approach it in a completely different way in VR. So that's why I use Storyteller because it doesn't limit me as much. Awesome, awesome. So let's do the, the obligatory track back to how'd you get into telling stories? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that is question. a very, yeah. <laughs> wow, okay. Well, when I was much younger, I used to have those phones that you could film for a few seconds and then you could pause the recording and then when you played it again, like it continues from where it stopped. So if you film someone in this position, you could... And the per- you tell the person to move away, it looks like they teleported, they moved away from the screen. Yeah. So it was like making effects so you could do really cool things like that. So I would just try to make so many cool like fight scenes and visual effects with just those phones that couldn't really do much. Like that was less than 480p, I think. Like was that even like when like that was no. That was like a flip phone. Yes, ex- yeah, yeah, pretty right. much that. So that's when I started really telling stories. I was like, Five? No, I was in five. I was, I was like nine, ten mm-hmm. doing that. So it's slowed down because cameras are expensive. And at the time to find like Final Cut, well, I don't even think Premiere was there. I mean, it was probably like very young. So I was using all yeah. those Windows Movie Maker to edit things together. And that was also very <laughs> challenging. challenging. Yeah. <laughs> so I decided to move towards like making comics, like draw, like writing comics. And then my brother can draw. He's an artist. So we would always use that as a way to tell stories and I would paint and color the comics myself. So I used basically all these things eventually came together in filmmaking with colors. Like I learned how to use like lights to tell stories, how you limit the amount of light that's in this scene to tell, to like elicit this kind of emotion or Mm -hmm. how you would like draw or hide a character, how you would do all these things. So it's me learning storytelling in different mediums that I used to apply in another kind of medium so applying the same things to film applying the same things to vr so after that i decided to start like a film club in high school after that and that was 
That was, it was okay. I don't know that I really enjoyed doing that. <laughs> oh, for context for the people listening, where did you grow up? Yes. So I'm Nigerian and I grew up in Nigeria for that's pretty much all, well, most of my life now because I'm young and I don't want to say all because I'm not dead. <laughs> so for most of my life, I grew up in Nigeria and I moved to Canada around 20, yeah, three years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now I'm in Canada. So all of that, all the stories I just told right now happened in Nigeria. So you can, that might provide more context to why, <laughs> why like many things were yeah. different. Well, I wouldn't like, say. You, you didn't have access to as much tools. Yeah. That's like, you know, when you watch all these things on like ads on TV, you're like, oh, go to your nearest like local store to pick this up and do this. Yeah. And like, we don't have those stores. So we could, I could just go pick this up and then say, this is what I want to do right now and film this. Mm-hmm. And access to a lot of things were very like not because like i wouldn't say they were there it's just we would get the most popular things so let's say the movies now like movies that i were, I wasn't really into movies in that way i knew like i liked certain kind of film but those are the ones that were really popular like over in the, like the u.s mm-hmm. and then they would bring those ones here but then the smaller like indie movies i wouldn't get there right. because it's like they didn't really get like that much attention there so it's probably like it's, it's not worth to, sending over and marketing exactly. here so the things that were, I was exposed to at least before I actually like found out about the internet <laughs> it was very limiting but I'm also glad I went through those things right mm-hmm. because there's still stories and you can learn something from them so right yeah so on the note of growing up with not having all of the the most modern tools at yep. your disposal it was like it, to make film or tell stories in some fashion always takes perseverance, right? Yes. So like, where'd you find that perseverance within yourself? Was it ever a question or are you just like, I really like doing this, so I'm going to do it no matter what? Or were there times you questioned it or had to keep going? <laughs> well, I would say the first thing was when I was much younger, I didn't have many friends. I mean, I did have friends, but they didn't like anything I liked doing. So <laughs> anything I learned how to do right now is because I didn't know anyone else I could do them. Mm-hmm. So with like painting for instance and coloring i learned that to teach my brother how to paint mm-hmm. because he didn't know how to do it i needed somebody that knew how to do that and i found that he got better at it than i was so i was like fine keep that <laughs> and then i moved to filmmaking and i was like i need somebody to direct to help me do this and do that nobody else could do it mm-hmm. so i just said let me learn this mm-hmm. and then keep going so when i made my first like one of my first films let's say i had strings yeah I was filming this and nobody knew what I was doing. I was like, Adam, why are you doing this? I didn't know what I was doing either. I was like, maybe help me do this. You could act or you could just come to this side and maybe put yourself in this position and we'll see what, what happens. I didn't know how frame rates worked. And even, I mean, I would say by I had strings, I knew how those things kind of worked to an mm-hmm. extent. But before then, I would say I was just making things to look the way they looked on TV. And yeah. they didn't look that way. Because when I didn't know that this this camera doesn't record in this way, dynamic range doesn't work like this. Also, yeah. these guys have huge budgets in the millions, and I don't have a budget. So yes. it was me trying to emulate those things I saw and then being like, this isn't working, but then I have nothing else to do, and I really like doing this, so let's keep mm-hmm. making it. And that's how I keep going. It's not really... I like making films, but I would say at the end of every single film I've made, it's always like, I don't want to do this again. And then two weeks later, it's like, oh, I have this really cool idea. Let me just try writing or working on just a little bit and I keep going. So each time it's really tough and it's something I wish I didn't do. And then it's like, this is my favorite thing ever. So that's where I am with that. It's, I have to force myself. It wasn't really 
like I loved it, but then there are times I still love it too. But there are times where it's tough, and it's like if you don't enjoy at least some aspect of it, mm-hmm. and if you don't have, because I didn't really have people around me that were, they were saying like you should do this, keep going, keep making these kind of like role models, yeah. right? Yeah, because yeah. yeah. my parents, luckily, my parents like always like do this thing. If you enjoy doing it, keep doing it. Yeah. But apart from my parents, mm-hmm. was Adam don't like there you can study law you can go be a doctor and everything like that and that was cool because i did try going into that and that didn't work out well so <laughs> i focused on doing this right yeah good for you man that's yeah. awesome yeah one question i'd like to ask is like what's the first thing you made video wise film wise other than like the flip phone where you would take a three second video and get the guy out of the frame to teleport like what would you say your first foray into telling a story in film was and how to go and what you learn okay so my first apart from those mini teleportation things was making videos for people like making videos essentially for i'll take pictures i take photographs a lot and then i was there's something more than this i can extend this in some capacity so making short ads for people <laughs> that was essentially it just making how do i make this look cool or even say i would say i would go back to animation that was when it really became interesting you could move this and then you could flip your books and then film that so that's really the first time i was like telling stories at the edge of you know your notebooks and then you flip and then it's like oh Easy, this does yeah. something really cool and how could i put this into a story because i can't i couldn't draw still can't draw but <laughs> yeah so that was really the first time and i always tell people i've made like i say four films yeah but i've made a lot more than four films i've made many films and i don't like them enough to show them so as far as i'm concerned i've made only four you've only released four yeah Yeah. i I released those and i unreleased them so yeah and like i think every year i just unrelease more so like as the more you make films the less people see yes let's put it that way yes that's exactly what happened that's hilarious. <laughs> so, what were the biggest lessons you learned from the first, or not even the first one, the first couple? You know, how did you get yourself to the next stage of doing what you do? Probably the main thing that still lasts till now, that the main lesson I've learned from that, I learned from those were work, like lower, reduce your scope significantly to what you have. Work mm-hmm. within exactly what you have. Don't try to tell this block story you don't try to tell the matrix if you don't have actors or the budget just tell what you have within your space if you have one room a window tell your story within that constraint and make and bring out the best you can from that small thing if you try to do a lot with very little it's going to look big it looks like you don't really have the budget for this and you're trying to copy those things you saw on tv that's like the main thing i got from all those videos because i had few restrictions I, I mean, with the, let's say I had strings, for instance, what I did with that was I had a, access to a place, to lo- a location, because my parents run this event center, so there were spaces I knew I had access to people too, because people always wanted to be on camera, Yeah. which is not the same here. No, it is not. Yeah. <laughs> people always wanted to be on camera, so I could say, oh, do you want to be in this? And fine, I could do it. Like, just, I'll be like, even they would ask me, I'm like, I don't need you right now for this, but I'll think about putting you in this scene. So right. there was that interest. I knew I had access to people and I knew I could tell stories like this. And same thing, I knew I didn't have access to a microphone. So mm-hmm. I made the film to ha- and like without dialogue. Mm-hmm. So basically working within those restrictions and 
those it helps you essentially tell a story that you might not have expected to tell like initially mm-hmm. but it's still something that came out of that and might even be better than your original idea so that was the main thing so working with what you have mm-hmm. is the main thing i would say i got from those videos or that's those a- films i don't want to call them films but videos <laughs> no that, that's super awesome and it's one thing that latif and i talk about a lot is embracing restrictions because yeah. i think a lot of people like have an idea and it's like oh we can't do that because of x and at first, that is daunting, you know, it's yeah. like, oh, we can't do that. But when you really, like, take a step back and say, okay, we can't do that, what's something we can do with what we have, it, you can really make some good stuff. So, if you were to have advice for someone in that same scenario, can't make the big boss mm-hmm. blockbuster, what practical advice would you give them to, like, you know, hey, man, just do something smaller, <laughs> you know what I mean? Would you have one thing to tell them, or would it be the same, just embrace what you got? It would be... Still the same, embrace that, but then to the extent that find something you enjoy in that restriction or something like, so instead of saying, okay, you have only this and you have to make this, what about you having this restriction makes it in, like, what can you, what interesting thing can you find about that situation and draw that out? Because if you try to bring that huge idea necessarily into that small space or that small restriction, you might always like make the thing, you might be disappointed with what you get. So look at what you have, look at what story arises from that. Don't necessarily try to force a bigger story into a smaller case. Mm-hmm. So that would be what I would tell the same person or that person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who's in me? Awesome. So yeah. Um let's tackle I had strings for a minute. Okay. That was that was my first exposure to you. Yeah. How I met Adam was he just sent me a message. I was looking for people to help out a crew and he was like, I don't know what I, what I could do, but I'd love to help out and he was like, I made a film check it out and usually when you get those you're like oh man this is gonna suck but i clicked on it i was like this is amazing (laughs) so yeah we met up and it took a little while for us to work together but going back to i had strings like anyone that hasn't seen it just google it it's awesome it's super good uh where'd that idea come from and just give a little overview of what it is for people listening so the film is about a boy coping with disaster or a bad event so in this case that was a bombing and it just goes through how that young boy in nigeria handles that event and grows and learns something from that that's the basis i don't want to spoil too much because that would take something from you watching it so that's the essential part of that and since i mentioned the bombing that's actually a reason why that's how the story came about i'll start with that so at the time there were different bombings in like markets people using children like they would attach bombs to children and take them, send them into markets to, you know, wreak as much havoc as they could. And that kind of hit me in a way because I was first kids. It's crazy. And then just terrorism and people dying was just like too much. But I also knew at the time I like to give myself one thing in every project that I have, like, I don't know how to do. Mm-hmm. So this project I was, I needed to learn how to use like do use them cgi and visual effects Mm -hmm. and that was something i hadn't like i hadn't touched like after effects or any of those tools before i made this film Mm -hmm. and i knew that was something i had to do so essentially it forces you to learn because you've filmed all this you've made this you've gone this far and then if you don't do that um that final thing like i wanted to make this explosion Mm-hmm. And I knew I had to make it look cool. I mean, no, I don't want it to look cool because it's like you can see where I am with this issue because yeah. it's a serious yeah. issue. But I wanted it to look believable because if it Real. looked like a kid, yes, yeah, like all oh, those kiddie explosions with people trying to make their own version of like Transformers or yeah. some kind of 
um, Matrix or it looks whatever. more like a firework. Yeah, or and I knew that that it's a serious film. If I didn't get that looking right, I would never. I wouldn't release the film. Yeah. yeah, that was that was the thing I told myself. And you did it in a fantastic yeah. way as well. Like it, it, it's pretty direct at, yeah. at the front of the front of the film. When you watch it, it's like whoa! Like yeah. it hits you, and you're grabbed right yeah. as that happens too. So you yeah. did a great job. Thank you. That was the main thing because it's like it was a serious story. It is a serious story. And if I didn't do that basic thing, then I didn't think I was going to. Because I was also trying to make sure I grabbed the audience or the viewer in the first few seconds. Because I knew, like, when I didn't have a microphone, that was the first thing I said. I didn't have a microphone, so I couldn't film anybody's audio. I didn't have all these things. And I had these kids. Like, the story changed over the course of, like, this four, three weeks we filmed it because people left, people traveled, people did things, no one was there mm-hmm. at different times. So we had to ad- like adapt and change the story to fit what we had. Mm-hmm. But that, I'm very glad I kept with the lack of audio or dialogue because I felt it made the street, it made the film much stronger than it actually could have been without right. with like audio because that would have been l- like a lot of exposition and well, people talking. Also using non-actors, right? Yeah. Yes, perfect. I I use non like nobody in the film is an, is an actor. Yeah, that's kind of amazing. Yeah, and it was this was me, a younger me, trying to bring out performances from people who have never done this before. Yeah, in a serious film. So you did a really great it was. Job. Yep. It was tough. I'd actually say I enjoy working with kids more than adults, adults because mm-hmm. I think they're more in touch with their like more willing to show their emotions in that way. And they're, they're not guarded. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And they're more like. You tell them this is you. This is where you are. You're in this scene, and they're more, they're more willing to play along with it. And adult is like, okay, I have to put myself in this place first. I have to think. Okay, I'm this person. There are also millions of people, not really like five people watching this video. Are gonna watch this video, and then I have to make sure I I I, I look believable, but they're not enough to like embarrass me in like three years or something to, like to that. Like overthinking. Yeah. 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 So it's just it's work with them, but kids, <laughs> it's. You can just tell them this is what I want you to get in this situation. This person did this to you. You were in this explosion. You've always wanted to be in an explosion, even though you don't know what that would do to you because that's not how explosions work. Yeah. But yeah, this is where you are right now. How would you react? This is you. You're in this thing. You're not even saying how would you react. This is you here right now. Do what you would do in that situation. Yeah, it gives them a lot of freedom. Yeah. It? So working with non-actors was good in that way because they didn't know, so they were learning too as we were making the yeah. film. It wasn't like structured it wasn't like we made it that okay you know you're an actor yeah. and you have to just deliver what you need to deliver for these things in the moment of that they were those actors it was them like i actually built some of the things around them and the way they do things how they were the things they suggested like well, i don't feel like this is what i would do in this situation so but thank you for mentioning that point you know you know these people or were they kind of like friends or family or so yeah so like I mentioned, my parents, we own, they own an event center. There's also a church. Yeah. So they were in that area. They were there and I was like, okay, let's work together. I need people for this. So you, so you kind of know them. I kind of... I, before this film, I probably said like two words to them each individually. Every time, like, yeah. very, like I didn't really speak to them that much. It was really just... I think I, now we're friends because of the film. Everybody yeah. in the film right now. But before then, I didn't really... I think that's also filmmaking for me. It's me. It's how I reach out to people. It's how I talk. It's easier for me to say, okay, we're making this thing and we're, like, we get to know each other as this thing grows, as it becomes a bigger production, as we right. learn over the course of time. But if it's like, okay, let's go and be friends and make this, and yeah. 
it works it works for people it doesn't really work for me i don't yeah. know why so filmmaking allows me to reach out and talk to people because i know when there's a goal i also think people tend to do better together like learn about each other better when they're doing something mm-hmm. like they're an experience if it's like oh you're just going to meet and talk about all these things that's fine you've just finished talking you spent 30 minutes doing this yeah. but if you've gone to experience something you have something you can call back on and say we did this at this point yeah so I feel that was also and filmmaking in general is a way for me to you know meet with people and become friends with people. So yeah, yeah, that's awesome. And um, I I remember when Matt mentioned that oh, I met this guy and he made this film and he sent me the link. To, I had strings. I was like, I know this guy. Because <laughs> <laughs> where where I because I saw I had strings before on um, on the internet because mm-hmm. I was at the time I was twenty four. That was like what three years ago. Yeah, and I had entered my film into uh, a competition for young filmmakers, um, and then Adam was one of the competitors as well. <laughs> so this is gonna end in a fight. <laughs> yes, at that point I was like, I must meet him. <laughs> so this was the this, this was the yeah, so project. the Sundance Ignite. That was two thousand and what? I should actually two thousand and four fifteen. It was about 16. I think it was 16. 16, okay. Yeah. So there was this competition. It's like a collaboration between Sundance Film Festival and Adobe. So they have this thing called Project Project 1324 because yeah. it's a project for people within like the ages of 13 to 24. 24 yeah. So they had this thing where you'd sub- you can submit a film, if I remember correctly. Yeah. And that was just films. So... You could you have to be with that age, within that age and then submit something within this theme called what's next. What's next? So it has to be around. I feel like most people didn't actually like start with that theme. No, and just be... no, I didn't either. Yeah. I was just like, how do I make this work? <laughs> well, I'm guessing you did the same thing. Okay, they're paying. Like, yeah, I can say that. I had to adapt it to that in that well, way. <laughs> I think it's about being versatile because like yeah. we both had films that didn't really have anything to do mm-hmm. with it, but we're like. How can we spin this? <laughs> but then there were some films I saw that had nothing to do with yeah. it. And I'm like, yeah. But it was it was super funny because, um, you know, we, we enter the competition yeah. and everyone's voting and we're looking at these projects and, and I'm super jazzed because I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, I might get to go to Sundance mm-hmm. uh, for this competition. And then uh, the finalists come out and I didn't make the, the mm-hmm. final cut of the five people, right? Yeah, it was... I think it was 15 people of yeah. the final, and then they narrowed it down to five. But you were one of the finalists. Yes. And then I saw your film, and Matt's like, I know this guy named Adam. It's like, he says he doesn't have that much experience. I'm like, what? <laughs> what do you mean? He's going to Sundance. <laughs> <laughs> but then I met Adam, and yeah. then I was like, oh, he's such a nice guy. <laughs> and and we, we've gotten along very well since yeah. that. But tell us about yeah. uh, that experience. Yeah, I will. So Sundance Ignite, I can even say before I made that, uh, before I submitted anything to that, it was like a last minute thing. I had no intention of submitting to that. I think I saw the, I was on Reddit, I think with filmmaking or filmmakers, like red subreddit. Mm-hmm. And I think I saw the ad for that. Someone posted it and I ignored it the first time because I was like, my ads the competition. I'm not really, we have, I don't really do very well in competitions. Yeah. Anything or anything that requires people to vote like by popularity or how, like how many people you know, like if you can get the most mm-hmm. li- likes. If I know a competition is going to be like decided based on how many likes or like how many views this has, I know I'm going to lose for sure. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm not, like, it's not, I just don't even apply to those things. Yeah. So yeah. when I saw that, I thought it was probably going to be one of those things again. So I just said, 
submit something, you've made this film, mm-hmm. life is quiet, just submit that. And I think at that time I was really having, it was a very low period because I made the film and had like 20, 30 views yeah. when I showed it to people. Because that's one issue I had a lot in Nigeria was making films that people didn't understand. Because that was the main thing I got. Like almost everyone I talked to was like, I don't understand this film. He's like, I don't get it. I was like, okay. Yeah. Thank you for that. <laughs> so with the film I just submitted, I was like, sure, let's see what happens with this. And I forgot, like it was at the back of my mind. Yeah. And then I saw when it was going over, like I was like, okay, this is getting some like feedback. People like it. Because you, you could do that to appreciate button and everything. Yeah. You could like like it or comment. Yeah. And, and people were doing that. And I also hid it from my parents because I didn't really want, because I knew they were going to do the thing where you really share it with everybody they know. And then they and you get embarrassed. Pre- <laughs> yeah. I, was, I didn't want them to. And then, so eventually I said, okay, you know what, fine. They helped me. Let me give it, send the link to them. And they did. And yeah. it, was, it was doing very well. But it wasn't still one of the more popular videos. Um, yeah. There. So I was like, okay, this was nice. I tried. Yeah. And, then submit, and then in November, I think that's when they got back to everyone. Yeah. And they ended and I was like, oh, Adam, you've been selected for as a finalist for this thing. I was like, whoa, that's so cool. Like, <laughs> oh my God, I don't, I've never won anything. I've never been a finalist I mean, for anything. Th- there's anything. a good point of that competition. They were yeah. looking for films that the story or the narrative mm. really had an impact. Yeah. And then yeah. that's exactly why my film didn't get selected. Because mm. my film was like aesthetically awesome mm. but it had no meaning at all yeah <laughs> and then adam's film was, was that like Resident, uh, renaissance Ren- yeah i made this film called renaissance mm. yeah i remember that i and saw it it looks great but like no one understands what the hell <laughs> the film is about. that's my life it's super experimental but then adam's film like it looks great but it's also got like an amazing yeah. story mm-hmm. the competition was about they had this thing about it being having some kind of social as- um, impact that was i think the yeah. main thing around that yeah. so I was happy. I also knew they had that thing where they said that if you had, like, your, your thing was popular and everything, they would give yeah. you a special kind of category, like, you, I don't know, winner, I don't even know what it was. That's what I was aiming for. Yeah. <laughs> I, know, I saw that, I was like, man, I'll just keep that. So when they told me and they messaged me, they were like, you, you're a finalist for this. I was like, whoa, this is so cool and everything. Like, how, this what is strange. Like, what you were in Canada. Do? I was, yeah, I was in my, I was in my dorm room mm-hmm. when that happened. I was so shocked. I was like, wow, because you could go to, this was the, the prize was Sundance, right? You could win, you could ha- win a trip to Sundance. For the actual festival. For the actual, yeah. yeah. So they had the thing, and I had a few weeks after, and they gave me a form to fill out and some other fun stuff like that. At the end of the day, I didn't end up winning because they had to pick, yeah, that's an interesting thing. So they had to pick five winners, right? Yeah. I think, yeah, five winners. Yeah, let's say five. Oh, wait, so five winners from the 15. Yeah, they had, yeah, I think what they did like 25 and then 15 and then mm-hmm. five. Yeah. So, they had to pick five winners, and then what happened was that I wasn't selected as one of the winners. Yeah. I was like, oh, okay. So, we're back to how everything usually is. Yes. So, they messaged me, and on that note, the, every other, can you imagine? So, every other competition after that, like yeah. Sundance Ignite thing, they have 15 winners. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. That's, oh. <laughs> I know. That makes me mad. <laughs> so, that, that does things to me. Yeah. Because... Because <laughs> I don't know, yeah, I left it. I think so. What happened after was they messaged me and they, were, they, they told me that you're one of the finalists and you're still eligible for this um, Adobe scholarship thing, um, so you should apply for it and then you might have the opportunity to, like, we could sponsor your education and things like that. Just tell us how you're going to use this, like, sco- uh, like yeah, like what is, yeah, and to create, to keep creating. So that's the best part about the scholarship. It wasn't like, okay, you do this and you 
have to just focus on doing like focus on books alone like yeah. the scholarship is supposed to be there to help you create stuff like actual projects yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah so that was great so i applied for that and then i got the scholarship yeah and that changed everything so they also had this extra thing where they messaged me a few weeks or months after they were like you were also one of the 15 people there and we felt that we should reach out to you mm-hmm. to offer you this sundance thing you have like a day to respond or something like that yeah. So or we, or we passed the offer to somebody else. I was like, whoa. And at the time, there wasn't like, they, they didn't cover it then. It was just like, you, you can go for this thing. and you. So they paid for the ticket for that. Yeah. But I had to pay for everything else, like the flights and all that. So I was like, okay. So I'm going to accept this. I don't know how I'm going to get there or yeah. do everything. Because you have to be there for three days. And then Sundance is really ex- expensive during that period. Yeah. Because it's it's crazy. Like the, Look it's, at the hotel. Yes. It's packed, It's right? packed. Yeah. It's like finding a place to live in that period. You have to book months ahead yeah it was was mental so i was like okay let me still apply anyway and he said cool you've gotten this thing and then funny enough a few weeks after they said they had this adobe innovation grant yeah so you can they they would cover you apply and then you tell them how this experience would help you in this way yeah and everything so i applied and i got the grant so with that i was able to go to sundance and then pay for everything yeah it covered everything so that was great in the sense that i got to meet different people other people from like the winners and so yeah these people i still see like the funny thing is now i see them at different events like from different filmmaking events i'm like wow okay so we're not connected in this way and it opens me up to like a wider network of people so that's been great and what was it like at sundance for you it was crazier than i expected like one there was so much snow that was just way too much snow. (laughs) and getting in like it was packed and then celebrities like i was so like i saw a few because I don't really know too many. I mean, I know celebrities, but I'm just like, man, they're people. Yeah. So I saw a few and they passed by. I'm like, whoa, did you just pass by me? Like, you looked at me like... And I'm sure they're looking at me because this guy is looking at me very weird. And yeah. I'm like, can you stop? But <laughs> I was still... It was still pretty cool. That was fine. But then I think it was more interesting to see films. And I think it messed up my whole year because I saw many films that... in just how many days? Three days or three weeks? I think yeah. it was three days. Yeah, three days. And... That those were the films that were supposed to come out over the course of the year. Yeah. So I saw all almost like all of the films I wanted to see in, <laughs> in three, like, three days. Yeah, in three days. That like my viewing for that year was just very messed. Like I I don't know. I don't want to actually do that again. I mean I do want to go like in case everyone is listening. But you don't want to watch like yeah, too much. Yeah, but I don't want to watch too much. Yeah. So that was the thing, and that was a really good Sundance year, I think. So that was fun. What what films did you see before everyone else got to? So there was the what's that film with Timothy Chalamet? Oh my god, it came out recently. Oh my god, I can't remember. Didn't uh, it won an Oscar screenwriting. Anyway. What what happened in it? That's the one with that. I can't remember. Oh my <laughs> god, you remember? Wow. Oh yeah, Call Me by Your Name, and there's uh, some other uh, ones too. Call Me by Your Name, yeah. Yeah, and then what was that other film I, I saw? There are so many films, and I can't remember them right now, which is really bad because I should. <laughs> but they were, I mean, they were memorable. To, to an extent there are memorable <laughs> films that you can't remember see I don't know how this works in my That's head correct. did you pair it up did you okay, <laughs> okay guys just google memorable films you can't remember <laughs> you'll, you'll figure it out so that was what happened it was really it was a really cool experience I think in general it was, it was just hectic and sleep then was an issue when you came back they threw you into the Adobe uh, workshops huh yeah that was so now they opened like the door for other events and other 
like event, like other like um, opportunities to meet and to go for all the you know because they have the Adobe Max yeah. stuff. I didn't go for that because I was busy. Yeah. But there were things like that. There was also this other festival which I met many of these um like Project Thirteen Twenty Four winners, the mm-hmm. Sundance Ignite winners. So it's a festival in Seattle. It's called Nifty. Okay, Nifty Okay, you know, I think you know it. Yeah. And. I hate to say it, but I think I enjoyed that a bit more than Sundance. Right. Mostly because it's, I was more active in what was happening. It was people that were going to, like, people were genuinely interested in what you were making. Yeah. Like, you weren't going there necessarily as a... Viewer. Viewer, yeah. It was people, you were going to view and see other people's work for sure. But you're going there and people are actually watching your work and then, like, I, they screened my thing and that's something I don't want to do again. Like, anytime they're screening anything I've made... Like it was in a full like cinema hall and everything like yeah. that over hundreds of people. Yeah. Like my heart was beating so much. Wait, you liked it or you didn't? I didn't like it. You I didn't don't like want it. to do that again. Ever. Like oh my god. Never yeah. again. It was gosh. I feel you. Man, that was my experience yeah. when we screened party stories so too. I was like, this is horrible. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, that's weird. Like you guys both screened your stuff for a bunch of people and you both don't like it. I it's I I it's I can't. It's like I notice everything I've done wrong. I did wrong in that film as it's playing as yeah. No, I could have made this edit show. I could have cut. I almost Party. think of it now as like by the time you get there, it's no longer for you. Like it's for everyone else. Yeah. So let them watch it. You've seen it like a thousand that times. Over <laughs> exactly. Too, right? So that was the thing. It was. I mean, I was happy because it was my film was a short film among other films. Mm-hmm. So they positioned it up as long because they had different like sections in the festival. So right. these were like epic or whatever films there were. So some of the bigger ones yeah. and more expensive ones. So I was among those films and then they had to show you. So that was the good thing. It wasn't just me. So I was like, if what I made was trash, in my, like let's say it was trash, like people thought it was trash, yeah. it was going to be washed off by someone else after. So somebody would forget that it was <laughs> yeah. trash. It wasn't like the final film because that would have actually ruined me. Like I, would have, <laughs> I don't know. That would have messed me up in different ways. Oh, that's funny. Because, yeah. But at the end, I think the part I actually enjoyed more was that they had this Q&A. Mm-hmm. So they brought all the filmmakers in that particular section to the stage. And perfect, the good thing about that was that there was this huge light in front, so I couldn't actually see anyone. It was not being <laughs> I, was, I was able to answer questions, and I, it was between me and this other guy who got the most questions. Right. So but that you, was you felt like you were just talking to a, a black yeah. hole. And that was perfect. <laughs> I hope like every other Q&A I have to do goes like that, because... That went really well. Like, I preferred that to the film, which was what I thought I was actually going. I thought it was going to be the other way around. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, I think for any other screenings I'm going to have, I'm going to just, like, play and then stand outside <laughs> until it's done. Cause, oh, mm-hmm. that's funny. <laughs> I, I haven't had that experience yet um, where I've gotten to play a film in front mm-hmm. of, like, a, a group of people. Like, a, a large group of people. Yeah. So, I, I'm curious to see how I'll react to this. I think you maybe you might like it. Like a year, we're just gonna be here all through this. Like it sucks. You don't want to do it. We're just crying into the mic. Like don't ever make a film. <laughs> you know, it was. I don't know. It was a nice experience in the sense that you can, These are people that are going to start watching your film, mm-hmm. and plus your thing is actually playing in the cinema. It's. That was a, like I didn't expect to see my work ever like on a, on a big, big screen. screen. Yeah. So that was wow. Because I was like, okay, good. I'm very happy I filmed this way, and my cinematography was pretty cool. And that yeah. like, this is good, but everything when you're watching people like quiet and 
you make like there was this joke you added in this film that didn't land and like oh my gosh I can see you guys not laughing. <laughs> that was that always goes really like nah. I don't think it ever it ever gets easier. Like no. watching people not laugh at a joke that you spent weeks thinking about. <laughs> yeah, uh, we, we were just talking about this. I think especially like Matt was like, uh, well I said to Matt after a table read we're like yeah, you know if there's anything that we go through in the table mm-hmm. read that's not funny. We gotta get rid of it. Just like imagine it in the audience, yeah, <laughs> where the people are meant to react to it and they don't. Yeah, I remember a, a couple times during the party story screening, like I'm looking at the screen and I know a joke's coming, <laughs> and I look like to my left, and just no one reacts. And I'm like, "Fuck, I want to die so bad right now." <laughs> no, because I remember Adam was at the screening as yeah, well. Yeah, I was at the screening. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Because I was like, I don't want to be in your shoes right now when that was happening. Because I already had been in your shoes and yeah. that was not something. It was a good thing I was drinking beer. That helped a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Um, I, I guess like before we get into the, the meat of mm-hmm. of all the interesting filmmaking Adam is making, we also collaborated on a small film yeah. Yeah. last summer. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was called Scale Back. Yeah, and that so, was part of the Adobe thing, right? That was part of yeah. So I have to make films every year, which is pretty good, I think. Yeah. It's, a, it's like I couldn't ask for anything else. But so I had to make this film, and then this was how I decided I was going to work with Matt because we had we said we we're going to work together on a project. Mm-hmm. Something. Yeah, something. Yeah. I just we just didn't know what project it was going to be, yeah. and this was really my first project in Canada. Mm-hmm. Filming anything, and it was a completely different experience. I'm not like things work the same way in the sense that it's the same logic you're applying to filmmaking the way you handle sets Mm -hmm. but people are less like i said people are less eager to be on camera people like you don't have some money yeah 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 you don't have the fearing over like your environment like when back in nigeria um if i see somewhere i know i'm just gonna go film i don't know if that was allowed or anything like that but then you just did it i just did it Yeah. yeah And that was cool. Like, there was this um, rail track and everything, and I could film there. I couldn't try that here. Even though that's, that was dangerous then. I don't know why I did that. I shouldn't even be <laughs> announcing that. Okay, yeah. Anyway, the point is, it was a very different experience. But I'm very glad, because like, I met so many people from that that I'm working with right now mm-hmm. in your mm-hmm. projects. And I had to learn a lot, because audio is... Gosh, that day that we were filming, and then... <laughs> that was so unfortunate. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, the, the day of production. Yeah. We're shooting a scene in in the front yard of the house and yeah. and there's a band playing like a block away Multiple at this bands. park. Yeah. And they're just playing this guy on the bass is really going at it. <laughs> and and that carries the most. And we're having this dialogue yes, scene. Literally the main one of the main Yeah, guys. it's like the climax <laughs> of the film and, and this bass like, guitar. Funk rock in the background. <laughs> it was not fun. It was not no that <laughs> And the drummer, like you could hear all of their awful music. Yeah. <laughs> It turned out okay, though. Like, I remember being at the front door, and, like, we're all just listening. Yeah. Like, they stopped playing. Yeah. Action! Action! <laughs> was, and that was the final day, right? That was the final yeah. scene we were shooting. Yeah. One, one of the final scenes, anyway. Yeah. So we're like, okay, we're ready to come here and do everything, and then just be very, you know, energetic throughout the whole thing. But that definitely killed moods and yeah. energy. Because you have to control, okay, these guys, are, they're not playing right now. Let's rush and do a few takes. And then, oh, they're tuning something and they're playing again. I'm just like, no, this is mental. This is crazy. <laughs> so in that way, it was a very difficult experience. But it was also pretty good because I learned a lot of things from that. Mm-hmm. So that was great. 
Plus, like, yeah, filmmaking. And also having to use those haze can, haze in the can stuff. Yeah, yeah like yeah. a smoke machine. Yeah. Yeah. That was good. That was fun. I've always wanted to do that. Yeah, because we were in the first day of shooting, we were in a kitchen. Yeah. And I remember Adam brought these little cans. Yeah. And then every like twenty minutes, we just spray them and run around the kitchen <laughs> just to get like a nice, nice smooth uh, haze, haze, haze around the room. Yeah, you look great on camera though. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was good. Um, so, do you want to talk about what what you're up to right now? Okay. So currently, like I mentioned initially, I'm doing a lot in terms of VR storytelling. Mm-hmm. So right now, very recently, I made, I directed a music video with my brother. So the music video is called Pixel Hearts, and it was the, by the musician Erifa. He's a Nigerian musician. And Just spell that out for everyone. So, so E-R-I, <laughs> space, I-F-E. So if you just Google, like, the link is going to be there, I assume. Yeah. But yeah. If you just Google Pixel Hearts Erifa, mm-hmm. you should see it. And it's what's the bracket 360 video? Official 360 music video. Yeah. I suppose. Mm-hmm. So it's a... 360 music video, but then completely, well, mostly completely, because I didn't edit it in VR, but mostly, like, filmed, directed, illustrated, drawn, painted, animated in VR, virtual reality. So, it's very different in the sense that, unlike regular filmmaking, this was, somebody had to draw everything that you see. We had to plan out the scenes, storyboard, but then many things we storyboarded, storyboarded was, like, it doesn't really apply in 3D space because mm-hmm. you know, okay, this is what you want to see here. But then how do you bring that out in this scene? How do you like handle this? And also like all the lighting and everything was painted by mm-hmm. the artist. So it wasn't like you could place the light in the scene and then you could do this. So it was a really interesting experience. We had to do export like the thing in 360. So when you have a headset on, which is the ideal way to watch the um, film, but if you don't, you can watch it on your phone. It's, you see this world around you. We're trying to put you in this painting. And I don't want to spoil too much. I mean, so there's really nothing to spoil, but like it's still a different experience. And I think you should watch it. Yeah, you're still telling your story. Yeah. 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 Like, I, I described it as, like, it's like being in a painting. And then Adam was like, yeah, that's exactly what he was going yeah. for. <laughs> and, I mean, the thing with that was... When we made this, there was no like tutorial online or anything like that. Like, we could say, okay, how do you make a 360 music video? Like, how do you paint a 360 music video? There was nothing like that. It was very interesting, though, in that way, because it meant that I didn't have those restrictions. That like, you could say, okay, this is how you make this thing this way. And then if you don't do it this way, then you're wrong. Yeah. It was like, okay, we have these tools, and these are very, these, tool, these tools are like in very early stages. So they're not like developed like, Photoshop or Premiere Pro, Final Cut, any of those things. It's bare bones. Bare, exactly. So these are a group of, there are many, like a few artists right now, like 10,000, well, a group of Facebook group with 10,000 members right now, mm-hmm. trying to learn this new tool, how to paint in VR, how to create art in VR. Mm-hmm. And it was nice because you can, somebody doesn't know how to do this thing, you could ask this person, what do you, how do you usually approach this scene? It's like basically being in the early stages of some kind of new technology, maybe the internet, maybe whatever but then when there isn't that much information on how anything works so people are essentially creating this new knowledge as they go yeah and the knowledge you have right now might expire in some weeks because the technology is always changing right so in that way it was a very interesting experience because well now you have this whole world to make you don't know that you can even do what you want to do but you also know that there's a possibility that in two weeks that feature you spent three months on could be done in two minutes. And now you have to change everything. Change everything, yes. Wow. 
So having that in mind, it's also kind of scary because you know that what you're doing right now might not be valid in a few weeks. Mm-hmm. But I think it was great because unlike traditional like 2D animation, I had to make, we had to do like apply many of the same like logic or techniques or rules to the same VR space. So you'd have a painted scene, you'd have this character in one place, you'd have the environment in this way, you'd have like foreground, background, all those things. And then I would go in with the camera and film. Mm-hmm. I would take this camera and then there's this character here and then I have to make sure they're in the frame. But that's the thing, there's no frame, right? It's, it's a 360 cool. video. Well, yeah, you're you're technically just filming in a space that exists. Yes. So it doesn't matter where you look. It's like it's like you're in the world. Anyways. Exactly. Right. But then how do you tell a story when you don't know, like you can't tell the audience exactly where to look? Mm-hmm. That's another issue. It's like you're having like, with this medium because you don't know how to do this. You don't know what rules. You know, like, okay, you can't move the camera too fast in this direction. You can't move it left or right. Ideally, you shouldn't even move the camera at all. Mm-hmm. But I said I wanted to try something else because why not? So that was the thing. You having to learn all these things on, like, as you're going was a very new thing for me. And essentially, like, you stuck to very simple camera movements, yeah, right? Yeah, very simple. So in one direction, I was reading, I was watching some videos about this. So apparently people get very, like, you get sick and dizzy if you move the camera, like, like what do you even call this? Is that the Z? Whatever. Like but, like, to the left or the right. Yeah. But then people can usually handle you going forward in one direction. So very slowly, forward and back. So right. that way, because, well, it's just you, because you're not changing, like if they move left or right, you're not making them dizzy. Because imagine you turning the camera at the same time when they're moving and mm-hmm. then everything from frame rates and just... I guess, I guess like when you're moving forward and backward, you're focused on a point. Perfect. But right, yeah. if your head's like swishing left and right, you're creating motion blur. Exactly. And your eyes get like yeah. really... Yeah. Yeah. And some people get really sick and that's the last thing you want where you're making a video and like this is really cool and someone throws up in your headset. (laughs) It's not not ideal. Like someone throws up in your headset. (laughs) (laughs) So that's one of the many things. So having all these rules and it's funny because when you have I made this thing, I didn't know like how do you make animations? I've never made an animation before. And the best part was that I just basically had to apply what I knew how to do with regular cameras into this VR space. So directing, it just had to like adjust, take, it took some adjusting essentially. Like I mentioned earlier, you have to move some, like tell the audience where to look, but not by forcing them into this frame. Yeah. You have to give cues. So let's say you could have a light that's going from left to right and then the audience will probably intuitively look in, in the direction of the light or right. you could have a butterfly moving in this direction or a bird or yeah. something just to tell them where you want it, like their gaze to be essentially in that scene because mm-hmm. 360 it's it's tough you can't really also you can't like you can't make cuts in the same way you can't just cut like this like because you have this 360 world yeah you have to give like give the audience time to adapt to know okay they're in this zone if you just cut like that oh they didn't even get to take in the place they're in already right it's it's because you're so immersed you you need time to like feel every space they're in yes because if you just cut very quickly it's like exactly you're essentially yeah you're ruining that moment in a way right yeah because my brother and I, we had this discussion when we were filming. I was, <clears throat> I told him that we could make this 360 and we could also make it 2D. So we'd have two versions. Mm-hmm. But I said if we did that, we would be limiting both. Because mm-hmm. if we're making it in 2D, we have to, we can't like make it completely in 2D because we have to make some like sacrifices in terms of like 
how much you render in this angle or how much you make it look this way. You have to mm-hmm. just worry about one angle. Right. But then in 360, you can't do the same things you can do in 2D. You have the whole like environment to look at. Yeah. So even like timing. In this film, I spend a lot of time in some shots. And that's because I want the audience, like, we, we took a lot of time to build out these scenes and to paint them. Plus, you need to see what's around you. You can't just, like, if you just, I like, keep you there for, like, two seconds, mm-hmm. you didn't see anything. Yeah. And if, let's say, you're in the wrong, like, angle, like, you're looking at the back, <laughs> and then the scene changes, like, you missing that, like, tiny bit of information can mess up the yeah. rest of the film for you. So it's about finding out, like, different ways to watch, like, the timing or pacing and everything, and just... Like I said, the best part and the worst part is that there are no nobody knows the rules right now. Yeah. So we're just making it up as we go, which is good and bad sometimes. Yeah, that that that's very interesting. I find because you have to give the audience enough time in in every scene that yeah. they're in, where they can actually have a, a look around the room because they're always going to be curious. They're always going to think, "Oh, what did you put here and here and stuff?" But it's like it's like a tableau almost. It's like theater in a three hundred and sixty environment. Yes. But at the same time, like, you have to uh, still have a, a focus. Yeah. So, so there's a lot of, like, extra thinking that requires um, some execution in this type of filmmaking, right? Just so not right. filmmaking, storytelling. Yeah, I mean, you could say, because, I mean, at this stage, it ended up being, like, a film, right? Because it's a music video, so you could say film. But I would say at this stage, I did that because... If I made it purely VR, yeah. and the, the, there's a difference, I'm going to go into this right now because this is probably going to bore you, but 360 VR is, there's three degrees of freedom, which means you can look left and right, but then you're not really in a space, you're just surrounded by something, it's like there's a huge globe or circle around your head, yeah. or orb around your head, and then you can look around that orb, mm-hmm. and that's it. But then six degrees of freedom, which is what VR is, allows you to move around in a specific space. Yeah. So you can move around the Z, X, Y axis. You could bend over. You could pick something from the ground. You could move forward. You could move back. You essentially feel like you're in a space. Yeah. And that makes it more like like things like framing, all those things are gone. Unless you use like natural framing. So let's say yeah. you have like a desk that's here and a desk that's here. And then yeah. you have, okay, we know the audience is supposed to look in this direction. Right. But that difference exists. So when I say 360 video... The video itself ended up being a video, a film, like yeah. something like that. But then the experience itself is not really a film. Because let's say you have a different experience in VR. You can walk in, you can see that character in that scene. You could turn around, you could see their face, you could see that they're smiling. Yeah. You, could hide, you could hide like tiny things in the scene for them to um, find out. So yeah. yeah, so it creates like a different experience, which is why I hesitate to say a film, essentially. But the final um, thing that's on YouTube anyway is a film. Yeah. So, yeah. But, but essentially, like I hear like, People will say it's a VR experience, yes, because yeah. it's really something that that's like attacking more than one sense. Yes, um, obviously, you're not gonna get smell and taste. But <laughs> I mean, you might have people doing that eventually. <laughs> I hope not too soon. <laughs> <laughs> but but like uh, it, it is an experience. Yeah. Um, and and we were talking about this earlier. Like the di- there's a difference between, and I had to make sure I knew this mm-hmm. as well because you know. I'm kind of a camera guy, so I shouldn't be like completely ignorant to it. But 360 video yeah. in VR is not the same thing. Exactly. Yeah. Because um, VR can be 360 because yeah. you're looking in all directions. Exactly. 360 video is not a VR experience. So mm. one is the other, but one yeah. is not both. I mean, this is something people argue about right now. Yeah. So I don't know. I know where I stand on that. I'm okay with either like when people say this is a 360 video, this is VR. I'm fine with either because it's like an entry point 
into the world like real like VR itself. Yeah. But if you're being technical, yeah, then you I would say three sixty is not really VR. Yeah. In that way. Yeah. So yeah. And um sorry, what was the point I was gonna go about? Oh yeah, uh I'm gonna cut that out. Um, <laughs> you're this you're actually one of the first people to delve into really trying storytelling in this format huh? yes i would say right now there are many people like people are getting into it many people think vr is a gimmick or a fad, oh, a fad like 3d yeah. which 3d is a gimmick or a fad you can quote me on that i agree yeah so but vr isn't and i think that's why there are not many people in this right now mm-hmm. at least in terms of like creating now, people look at vr mostly for gaming a yeah. lot of the time but then many people don't know that there's also like the art section of that people creating entertainment people creating music people creating films art and paintings all yeah. these things so in that sense i would say that what was the question <laughs> <laughs> well no 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 you're making a good point it's okay. like like people will think about VR, especially filmmakers. Yeah, we talked about like how filmmakers are so romantic about format, and yeah. they're a lot of times when technology is coming, they're super dicks about it because yeah. we always do it one way and not the other. So really, it's like VR is not like a fad. Like where 3D is like they're charging extra for yeah. a ticket, and it and no one likes 3D. <laughs> but VR is is really yeah. an experience. Like. Like how the internet is its own platform and people use the internet. VR is eventually going to be a platform. It's going to be a world that we live on. It's virtual. And and we can do so much more than just slightly see something different. Like eventually you can have... We were talking about this. You can have a meeting in VR Mm -hmm. with someone. Yeah. Which would eliminate the need for an office, for yeah. example. Or you could do screen sharing. Exactly. Stuff like that, right? Yeah. And even on that note, that's something I did want to point out, like you mentioned... Filmmakers are very, for some reason, you would think we're working with like the coolest technology, yeah. CGI and everything, but we're very late to the game very often. Like, look at the way we hire people. Yeah. Like, it's so slow. Look, the way we do every, it's just, because I'm very into tech and then art and entertainment in that way. I like mm-hmm. seeing how we can bring them together. And filmmaking, like, it's so frustrating because it's like, I can see the way this could be better, but because of standards in the industry, it's like, oh, this is the way we've done this forever. forever it works, yeah. so let's, why not keep doing that? And I can't sometimes. Yeah, I totally get it. There are ways, because I know there are different ways you could do things, but because they have all these gatekeepers that do it this way, you can't change. And that's why I think I enjoyed making this or working in VR, mm-hmm. because it's a new, like, like those gatekeepers don't exist yet. Those standards don't exist yet. So we're currently defining them as we go. There are people doing this, like I said, but it's still very small. People are trying to take it in different directions yeah. with VR. And also the thing is, I don't need to make VR projects with VR in the sense that it's not. I'm not limited to making only VR projects. I can use it as a tool in like a non-VR film. Or For a regular film. Yes. So like you wouldn't say you're using oh, 3D as a tool... In, I mean, you could say maybe to add like a given effect, like if you want to make something look very trippy or something. Yeah. Like that. But this is more like a tool. Like I wouldn't like it's a huge investment at the moment. VR is expensive because you have to buy like the headset and then you have to buy a PC that can run. Yeah. The headset. So having that in mind, it's like you're making you're taking this huge risk. Mm-hmm. So if it's like, this is a tool, like any other thing, the same way you would use Premiere Pro. Yeah. Or a camera. Yeah. It's this a tool. is just one tool. So. Yeah. Filmmakers being late to this game would be so sad for me. Yeah, well, it, it's 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 literally going to be 
a revolution in in format like we yeah. you know how we film to digital was a very small thing mm-hmm. it wasn't a huge change I mean there's, some, there's still people there right now that's and there's still people stuck in, yeah. in the film world but it's also good because we're learning every day so this is an opportunity to like rethink how we approach storytelling yeah because not many people are doing it right now so if you're doing this I would say expect to have like three views on your stuff on your stuff yeah because when people can't even watch your thing the way you want them to watch it yeah you have to always go with demos. People don't always like wearing headsets because yeah. it's hot and sweaty sometimes. So embrace. you have to like handle the fact that not many people are into this right now. And then you think it's really cool, but then VR is one of those things. It has that unfortunate aspect to it that you can't really explain what it is and why you think it's cool unless the person tries it. Exactly. So that makes, I think that's also, the, apart from the fact that like PCs are very expensive, I think that's one of the things that's holding VR back. It doesn't like, you can say it looks cool when you're watching someone do something in VR, but you can't really, it's like, okay, that's nice. It's like using those Wii remotes and then like, yeah. oh, playing tennis and that was cool for a bit. But for you, it's when you try, you realize, okay, this is a new avenue for telling stories and that's really what I'm interested in right mm-hmm. now. Yeah. Yeah, because at some point, VR is going to become like as commercial as television. Like Very everyone likely. will have one in their home. Very likely. Um, so, like, for anyone listening who's kind of, like, an old head and is like, <laughs> like, this is a good time to, like, uh, jump on and, and and kind of pioneer in something that's not really uh, built yet. Because, yeah. like, like what we say, like, for every new platform, eventually there's going to be advertisements on it. <laughs> so right now VR is fun because it's just people who like yeah. to make art and, exactly. and try things. But at some point, VR is going to have, like, commercials and billboards and shit, <laughs> just like the real world does. So. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so like, learning that, I think, would be really smart. For sure. And also, in that, like I also mentioned, just restrictions. It's very new. There are things that don't work. Mm-hmm. There's so many things that don't work. There are many things that you're pulling your hair out because why doesn't this work? You can do this in two minutes, in, like, on your laptop. Yeah. But that's not why you're doing this. You're doing it because it's a different thing. You're trying out something new. And sometimes stories work. That's also the other thing too. You can tell stories in this medium that you can't tell anywhere else. Mm. And that's cool because how do you approach this? How do you tell a story when you can see everywhere? You can walk around this character. You're not hidden by, like, you can't hide behind the camera or anything like that. So you have to work, like, do performances, like, actors become more important. Like, in the sense that, do you do they have to, like, embody everything you're trying to say in this scene? Mm-hmm. How do you even put actors in this space? Yeah. How do you do anything? So I'm really excited to see what happens with this. Yeah. In the future. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Like, this is the first time we talked about something super, like... Technology-based. Forward-thinking and, like, geeky like this. (laughs) I love this. I I think this is really cool stuff. Like, I would like to actually go in-depth with many things, like, about filmmaking in VR, but the issue is your frame of reference isn't even there. So limited. Yeah, yeah, unless you've tried it, right? So I can't say, okay, if you put this this way and you have the camera here and you have this and you scale the world to this extent and you have this character here and you want to move around and then there's room scale and I'm using all these terms. The point is, you understand, you get the idea of what I'm saying, but you don't really know. know. So it's tough. It's tough. Yeah, you you almost have to try it to know. Yeah. Like I, I... in my head, I, I'm imagining what it's like to make a film in VR, mm-hmm. and I kind of understand the concepts that you're talking about, but until I give it a shot, like, there's a lot of things I won't, like, yeah. quite know. Pretty much. So right now, like, my two favorite things is using VR and then helping, demoing VR to people. Yeah. 
because the expression on their face is like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. This is totally not a fad or a gimmick. This yeah. Is, whoa. That's like my favorite feeling. It's just yeah. great. It's cool. It's awesome. Um, and uh, just so people get the idea, like, how long is your music video? It's, I should know this, but I made it. But it's, <laughs> it's four minutes. And how long did it take you to make it? Four months. Four months. Yes. So it's four months. months. <laughs> four, four minute music video in VR. So it took, it took a lot longer than it would to make an actual uh, live action thing. But it's because it's, yes. it's, I mean, eventually, hopefully it gets faster with more in- infrastructure in the world. But like right now... It, it takes a bit because you're doing everything based off yeah. your own experience. But in this way, it's also faster. I would say one reason why it took that long was midway we started over because mm-hmm. we didn't like what we did in the sense that we couldn't do things. We could do things now that we couldn't do then. That quickly it changed, yeah. right? Yeah. So that was one reason why. Because this is faster. Like I said, we were to make, we were to make this film in like traditional, like with traditional tools and everything. Like that. It yeah. would take much, much longer and more people. This was made with only two people, me yeah. and my brother. Yeah. That's it. And he, you're basically he did all the artwork. And he you, did all yes. You did all the uh, all direction. the filming direction, like everything I would do on an actual set. Yeah, I, like with filming, I did and blocking and putting all these things. So he was responsible for the painting and creating the world. Like he always likes to emphasize and make sure that I never forget that I created the world, or he created the world that I'm filming in. Yes. Mm-hmm. So that's also like it's opening up the, like the like the door for different kinds of jobs and different things so you, you can see how people world like world builders would be important very soon yeah people that can create worlds and sets that you can already work with like it's that, yeah that's so cool it's, it's it's literally creating a new kind of um job that wouldn't exist yes where you're kind of like a painter but for uh, an actual world that you have to make and in, also in that sense too, it's like with many tools, you have all these things, all these barriers. It's like you have tools, you have to learn, take two years, three years to learn how to use this software or you have to know how to operate this camera or like I couldn't, I don't like working with 3D. It's tough. I don't know what all those button means and all those like, I, what, like why is that number there? Why does it do this? And yeah. Why can't I just move this thing the way I want it to move? Mm-hmm. So what I would say VR does is it lets artists it basically removes those barriers that are there. It makes it easy for you and more intuitive to make things mm-hmm. in the space that you're in. You're not just making, like you're not being, you don't have to be very technical to do anything. You can like, if you've never made anything in 3D before mm-hmm. and you know how to draw, for instance, you spending five minutes, 10 minutes, you can draw something in the space yeah. around you. And it also applies, like I made, I use the same techniques I use with regular filmmaking. I use green screen. Mm-hmm. I made the background green. I exported it without like the like the background there. So things like and that. You keyed it. it. Yeah, exactly. That's so, so cool. Different, like I'm just applying what I know regularly into this space. Mm-hmm. So I feel like the more we're ready to jump into it and learn what's possible, what isn't possible, what kind of stories we can tell, what's catching. Because I know them. There was a recent film that was funded by, I think Darren Aronofsky. Aronofsky. Yeah, yeah he's producing i can't remember if he's producing or directing a vr film that's it's one of the um first ones to be like to have like significant backing Mm -hmm. so i'm curious to see the way the direction this goes in the future yeah 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 there's already people like attempting to do some stuff with it so that's that's a good sign um is there anything else you want to well you're working on a new film as well too yes i'm working on uh, an animated short film 
and this time it's not 360 but it's still essentially the same logic the same technique we used in the previous film we're just refining it like literally a day or two after we completed this film they implemented animation features in one of the softwares we we're using mm -hmm. and that was something that was really complicated because we spent time like trying to figure out how to get this to work mm -hmm. without that feature right. so knowing we have this now allows us to plan out things so it's a first person animation film and i'm curious to see how that goes yeah that's very exciting yeah because when i i was like a couple hours ago i was in matt's kitchen walking around with adam's phone to my face <laughs> and I, was like, <laughs> I was like this is cool i, I didn't I, it was all because technically i could see it all from one place but like i was like walking and everything mm -hmm. it didn't really do anything but it felt cool <laughs> but it was really awesome seeing the, the video on my on your phone yeah I'll bring, I guess, please remind me, I'm going to bring the thing over. The, the headset and everything. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. To, definitely. we got to play with that. <laughs> For sure. Um, if people want to follow you, where can they do that? Okay, so I'm on Twitter, and then I'm also on Instagram at that underscore cheese guy. It's, don't ask, it's just, <laughs> yeah, that, that underscore cheese guy. It's very simple, and you can also find me on my website with adamadojemu.com so that's A-D-A-M M-A-D-O-J-E-M-U dot com awesome. that's it so if you want to find everything else my links are all there so that's perfect for me great awesome. I got one silly question before we go cool. yes. so making having made the VR that you made yeah and knowing the complexity of it yeah if you were to go back to traditional filmmaking would it be super easy now you'd be like don't worry i've got an answer to all this you, you deal with one frame i had to deal with a world <laughs> That's kind of i would probably say it's a different set of problems okay <laughs> because with vr i had i don't have to worry about so many things like having like sound yeah yeah Having people come on time on set, yeah. having to worry about actors, because we're creating the actors, we're animating them, so if they don't mm -hmm. do the things they're supposed to do, it's our fault. It's, we, we don't do it like... So everything's everything. in our hands. Yeah, which is also yeah. bad, because I mentioned earlier, too, that the, all random things that happen, like, you know, when you're filming something on set and some actor does something different that wasn't in the script, mm -hmm. but then it ends up being really cool, and that changes... Yeah. yeah. So yeah. you don't have that anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you know, it's like control, but then you also have everything. Like, this is the first thing I've made ever in my life that is 98% what I had in my head. Yeah. Really? Wow. And that's something I think is really tough to do in traditional like live action. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Like with live action, it's always, I've never had anything that was like ended up being what I wanted exactly. 100%. In my head. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And this isn't like, I don't, this isn't 100% either, yeah. but it's really close. It's the closest I've ever been. Yeah. That's so, so cool. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it's also like 100% of it is like you have to make it, but also like a lot of it will be your fault if you do it wrong, yes. which, yeah. which is why you need to be so careful <laughs> with every step. I, I kind of like that though. I'd, yeah. I'd rather take yeah. more of the, the control, but also have more of option yeah. of being the guy who, to blame as well. It's also why I chose to do a music video as opposed to a film. First, it's a little simpler. Yeah, because right? the music directs what I do. I just have to follow what I feel the music is saying at that point. In yeah. the sense that the music is telling the story for me. Mm -hmm. Technically, I just have to put visuals to that. I'm not worried about like 
I didn't even know what I would do with 360 video and then pacing and making sure this actor does this and then timing it with like the lip sync. It was just still get a long list of things that, was, that I didn't want to have to worry about. But now you're about to... Yeah, now I'm doing that. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So, yeah. Okay, well, I'm, I'm super excited to see this when you're finished. I will be excited. Hopefully, like if, if it doesn't end up well, you won't see it. <laughs> Much like we talked about before. Yeah. The more I make, the less you see. Unrelease. Um, so before we go, this podcast is brought to you by Pippa. It's p i p p a dot i o. It's a podcast hosting service. Super cheap. Uh, super friendly. Super easy to use. That's all you really need to know. <laughs> it's great. You should try it. And. It, functions really well yeah that's pippa.io good analytics too yeah they, they tell you where people listen to your stuff and what they listen to it on where the links came from where the clicks go what's everything. your favorite episode yeah yep. i never heard of them actually until now it's fairly new you should check it out it's yeah. super cool it's great and uh yeah i'm sure when this one comes out it'll be right at the top because this is super interesting yeah. stuff it's a great episode <laughs> and yeah we i have already linked to the music video that we were talking about i'll link again when this episode comes out but you gotta check it out um 10 Super years yeah. we're all gonna be looking up to you i mean we already do but <laughs> you're really gonna be up there yeah adam's gonna pioneer some some cool stuff in uh in the vr film world. would be nice you're gonna be that guy for the chief and i can be like we we know that <laughs> we knew him before he became a giant <laughs> now he vlogs our calls <laughs> <laughs> alright thanks for listening people see you later